0: Well, hello, and welcome to Faith Life 365. This is podcast number seven. My name is Tim Hardison, and we are talking about hindrances to faith. Now, if you miss past podcasts, you can go back, listen, and get called up. In podcast six, we started talking about doubt and unbelief being a hindrance to our faith. Now, in this podcast, we're gonna continue with unbelief and how unbelief hinders our faith. Now, we're gonna pray and jump right back in here Father God, we come now before you in the name of Jesus. We praise your holy name. We thank you for your many blessings that you have given us. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you will open our eyes that we may see and open our ears that we may hear and understand your word. Father, renew our minds. Give us knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Grow our faith now as we hear and study your word. Amen and amen. All right. Well, in the last podcast, we talked about doubt. Now, in this podcast, we're going to be talking about unbelief. We defined unbelief earlier as unfaithfulness or distrust. Well, there's actually more than one kind of unbelief. See, unbelief can come from a lack of knowledge or ignorance, uh, receiving wrong or incorrect information, being taught wrong or incorrect information. Um, There's natural belief. You didn't see it, hear it, feel it, smell it, or taste it, so you just don't believe it happened. I mean, seeing is believing. Then there's choice. You make an educated decision to not believe. You've been given the correct information. You have all the knowledge and you choose not to believe. You know, Thomas comes to mind here. He had all the correct information, but he chose not to believe Jesus had risen from the dead until he could see him with his own eyes and touch his wounds with his own hands. Now, when it comes to God's word, when you have been given the correct knowledge and you choose unbelief, or you believe but you refuse to act on your belief, this becomes disobedience to the word of God. And when you're disobedient, faith is not going to work. So now let's read. We're going to start with Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 20 from the King James. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into the fire, and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Now, Jesus told the disciples they couldn't cast the demon out because of their unbelief. Now, there are versions that say, Because of your little faith, instead of because of your unbelief. John Wesley. Uh, stated in his Bible commentary was referencing uh, Matthew 17:20, 20 uh, because of your unbelief he says because in this particular they had not faith if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed that is the least measure of it so John Wesley saying that if Jesus is using the tiny grain of a mustard seed as the least measure of faith then the disciples would have exercised no faith Uh, Therefore, it will be unbelief. Exercising the smallest amount of faith would have been some faith and not unbelief. So, the emphasis is on unbelief. If you believe from the heart, the smallest amount of faith will move a mountain. If you have accepted Jesus into your life, if you're a Christian with the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you, you have received the measure of faith. All Christians have been given the same measure of faith. We covered this in an earlier podcast. So the question is, do you harbor unbelief that's hindering your faith? Now there's a good chance someone just got offended. You say, yes, I'm a Christian, and yes, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I don't have unbelief. Well, you see, you can be a born-again Christian full of faith and still harbor unbelief, not because you're a bad person, not because you don't love Jesus. Sometimes we have a lack of knowledge of God's Word, or we've been given wrong information or even taught wrong information. This is why we have to read God's word, study the word, hear the word and pray for wisdom, knowledge and understanding. We need to heed the guidance of the Holy Spirit within us. 2nd Peter chapter 1 verses 2 through 11. English Standard Version. My grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God But this scripture speaks volumes. Notice, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. We have to gain that knowledge and understanding. Also, take note that if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Jesus Christ. So your knowledge will go and grow uh, will gain and grow uh, as you spend time and grow your, your qualities uh, that we speak of here. Um, so also if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Now we're going to look at uh, let's take a look at Mark chapter 9 verses 17 through 29. This is the new King James Version <clears throat> it says, "Then one of the crowd answered and said, "Teacher, I brought you my son, who has a mute spirit, and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed and was foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him, and he became as one dead, so that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Now we read this story in the last podcast from the Apostle Matthew's account, and we talked about Jesus' response to his disciples' unbelief. Now let's look at Jesus' response to the father of the child. Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. What? I believe, help my unbelief? I... And Jesus immediately corrected him and he said, Sir, if you have belief, You cannot have unbelief. Do you believe or not believe? Your son's life depends on your next answer. No, 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 no. Jesus did not correct the man. Jesus accepted his answer as belief. Jesus accepted that the man believed in him and had faith in his heart in his spirit that his son could be healed. But his mind, his senses were trying to say otherwise. The man immediately, in the same breath, asked Jesus to help with his unbelief, and Jesus did. He healed the child because he saw the man believed in his spirit. He asked for help in his unbelief, and Jesus granted it. So, can we believe and still have unbelief? Well, this statement can boggle the mind. I know God has equipped us with everything we need to combat unbelief and any other problem we may have on this earth. Jesus went to the cross. He covered all of our sins, and by his stripes we were healed. He gave us a new covenant. We have been given the comforter, the Holy Spirit, and the never-changing word of God. You have been given the full armor of God. Let's look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2 of the English Standard Version. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We must renew our minds in God's Word. Submit ourselves to Him. Do not be conformed to this world. You know, we often cry out to God or to Jesus to Come save us, help us, heal us, deliver us, carry us, remove our circumstances, make Satan, make the powers, the principalities, the rulers of darkness, the wicked or the spiritual wickedness in high places. Make them leave us alone. Get them away from us. Listen, God has already done all of that through his son, Jesus Christ. God, through Jesus, has given us authority on this earth. Satan has no authority over you. Believe God is who he says he is and can do what he says he can do. Believe that Jesus has defeated death, hell, and the grave for you. Understand this. It is up to you, it is up to us, to root out unbelief. The Holy Spirit's there to convict our hearts, our spirits, when we're living in unbelief and sin. But it's up to us to renew our minds in God's Word and root out the unbelief. We must take authority over the issue. See, we live under the new covenant. We are cleansed by the blood sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God forgives us of our sins and only by the blood of Jesus. Jesus is the one and only mediator between us and God and has already done everything that needs to be done for our salvation and forgiveness. Not only for our salvation and forgiveness, he's already done all that needs to be done for our healing, our financial deliverance, deliverance from from Satan, from the powers, the principalities, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places, and all the fiery darts that they may send our way. Jesus has given us the power of attorney to use his name. First Timothy chapter two, verses five through six of the New King James Version, it says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Now, 1 John verse, or chapter 1, verses 7 and 9, or through 9, of the King James Bible, it says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us of all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through 23, the New Living Translation. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe Him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now He is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made Him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is His body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with Himself. So did you hear that? God has given us who believe in Him the same mighty power that raised up Christ from the dead and seated Him at God's right hand. We, the church, are the body of Christ and all things under the authority of Christ. Let that sink in. Um, We have Christ's authority on this earth. John, chapter 15, verse 16. These are the words of Jesus, English Standard Version. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. John chapter 16, verse 23, the words of Jesus, New Living Translation. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly and he will grant your request because you use my name. We come directly to the Father. You have been made righteous, by the blood of Jesus. You are righteous. You go directly before the throne. Oh, thank you, Lord. All right. Now, there are other ways we can be harboring unbelief and not even know it. You know, I mean, some Christians are at church every time the doors are open. They help. They work hard in the church. They listen to the sermon each week. But they never open the Bible and read or study for themselves. They never take it to the Lord for discernment in their spirit. They do nothing else to renew their minds with the word of God. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, the New Living Translation. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. Now, I'm not saying your preacher, minister, pastor, teacher, priest is a false prophet and does not teach the truth from the Word of God. I'm not saying anything about your church either. I'm presenting God's Word. Listen, there are some churches that just seem to be the most awesome places ever. The people are super nice. They're family-oriented. They help each, you know, they help each other. They're always there for, for each other and others in the community. Uh, they all seem to be good, wholesome people. They have tons of fun activities and do some really cool stuff but they're not teaching the word of God. Some don't believe that Jesus is the son of God and that he died and rose again. They may believe Jesus was a prophet or a great man, but they did not believe in the true Jesus in the Bible. The fact is not all individuals standing in a pulpit are preaching the true word of God. If this sounds familiar to you, maybe you're harboring unbelief because you've been given incorrect information. And this is hindering your faith or growth. Go to the source, read the Bible, and pray to God for discernment. Quite frankly, it's easy for us to harbor unbelief and not even realize it. You know, let's look at at a simple example. I'm going to ask you one question. So according to the Bible, what swallowed Jonah and kept him inside and alive for three days and three nights? All right, how many of you answered a whale? If you answered a whale, you're not alone as many believe and teach this. But the Hebrew words used in the Bible actually say a great fish. A whale is not a fish. Many people tend to believe that whales are fish. The fact is, whales are not fish. They're marine mammals. Mammals, both land mammals and marine mammals, are warm-blooded animals that breathe air, give birth to their young, live, and they feed their babies with milk, which is typically produced from the mother's mammary glands. Sound familiar? Now, not to insult your intelligence, but yes, we humans are mammals too. Fish, on the other hand, use gills to extract oxygen from the water, allowing them to survive without ever needing to come to the surface. Most species of fish cannot survive above water because they do not have specialized lungs or organs that are necessary to breathe air. So, oftentimes, when we hear the story of Jonah, we are told he was swallowed up by a whale. Many Bible storybooks show a picture of a whale. Being as the Bible is the inspired word of God, I fully believe that God, the creator of the universe, knows the difference between a mammal and a fish. But the problem is, some folks don't seem to believe that he does. You see, They need to justify the story by using something they can wrap their mind around. And the only thing they can possibly think of big enough to swallow a man and keep him alive for three days is a whale. Well, God's word said it was a great fish. Man can justify it in his mind and his senses by saying it was a whale. When we change the word of God to make it make sense to our mind, we're living in unbelief. Did you know that according to scientists, 71% of the Earth's surface is covered with water? Oceans make up 96% of that, and we have only explored approximately 5% of the oceans. Now that in itself is almost unbelievable, but nonetheless, when you consider the vastness of the oceans, the great depths, and the fact that we haven't explored 95% of it, Do you think there just might be a fish down there somewhere that could swallow a man and keep him alive for three days and three nights in his belly? Now, for the sake of argument, let's say there's not one. Do you believe that God, the creator of the universe, could have created one fish, just one, just for the purpose of swallowing Jonah and keeping him alive for three days and three nights? You see, If we believe in God and in His Son, Jesus Christ, if we believe in His Word, we don't need to make up different versions of what God's Word tells us in order to satisfy our minds. We just make the choice to believe the Word, and it's a choice. We have to make a choice to believe. There are also many Christians, churches, and denominations that do not believe in all of the gifts of the Spirit. Again, I'm not saying they don't believe in God and his son Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that they're not Christians. You know, most, most certainly are and are certainly heaven bound. What I am saying is, is I believe they're missing out on much of what God has given us under the new covenant. You know, unbelief is keeping them from experiencing the fullness of these gifts that Jesus died on the cross for and gave us through the Holy Spirit. Again. Oftentimes people will deny or find a way to explain away something in the Bible because they just can't fully get their mind wrapped around it or they just can't make good sense of it. This equates to unbelief. If you're someone that believes some of the gifts of the Spirit went away with the apostles, I simply challenge you to dig deep into God's Word. Spend time in prayer. Fast if you need to, but seek seek God's face on this issue. And he will give you an answer. Listen, unbelief covers a huge area. We truly have to make a distinction between our flesh man and our spirit man, the new creation we were made to be through Christ Jesus. Our flesh and blood body did not die and become born again. Our old carnal spirit man died and was reborn and made new in Christ Jesus. This is where our renewing of the mind begins. We need to become spirit conscious. Stop trying to make the Word of God understandable to your flesh, or fleshly thinking, to your five senses. Renew your mind and seek knowledge, wisdom, and understanding in your born-again spirit. Believe God. Believe the Word of God. Again, Romans 12, verse 2 says, English Standard, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Folks, believe. Make the choice to believe. Genesis chapter 15, verses 5 through 6, the New Living Translation. When the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. According to E.W. Kenyon in his book, The Blood Covenant, the Hebrew word translated to the English word believe, it means loving trust, give yourself wholly up to be a part of himself, to go right into him, the unqualified committal. Kenyon goes on to state that Abraham made an unqualified committal of himself and all he was or ever would be to God. Abraham gave himself to God in utter abandonment of self. And because of this, because he believed God counted him righteous free from guilt or sin God then made a blood covenant with Abraham wow i mean how awesome would it be to be counted righteous by God free from guilt or sin to have a blood covenant with the almighty God let's look at Romans chapter 5 verses 8 through 11 this is a new english translation But God demonstrates his own love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, because we have now been declared righteous by his blood, we will be saved through him from God's wrath. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more, since we have been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? Not only this, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. If you believe in God, if you believe in Jesus Christ, and you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you are counted as righteous before God, and you have a new blood covenant through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. You are joint heirs to the kingdom of heaven. Brothers and sisters, let's believe. Let's root out the hindrances of doubt and unbelief and continue to grow stronger and stronger in our faith. And we are out of time. I want to thank you for listening. May God bless you and keep you today and every day as we grow in faith and live the faith life 365 days per year.